to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hey, g'day! It's Rev here. Welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that has been created to enhance, connect, and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be listening from today, I want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming and joining us for the very first time, or perhaps you are a seasoned, subscribed listener and you're picking up every conversation. Either way, thank you. Thanks for being part of this journey. And as we endeavour to share stories and insights and perspectives of members of the wider Yarra Valley Grammar community, and in particular, our Yogs, Yarra Old Grammarians. And today, I'm thrilled to be sitting down with John Adam from the class of 2006. A wise, thoughtful, insightful, intelligent and well-considered young man. Going on to do great things and having an impact and has certainly ridden the highs and the lows and recognises the input of learned and wise characters in his history, in his past, and is looking forward to an exciting future. I'm going to begin our conversation today by asking John, at what stage did he join the Yarra Valley Grammar community? Enjoy our chat. Yeah, so I started in Year 7. Um, for me, it was what talk, what drew me to Yarra was I love the sports program. Um, at the time, I was very active in sports, and so ha- uh, having so many opportunities with sport, that's what drove me to Yarra Valley. And what was it? Was it the, the vast playing fields? Was it the uniform? Was it the, the, the tennis courts, the hockey pitch? What was it that you, was your specialty? Well, for me, um, I used to go to um, primary school at Good Shepherd down the road. So every single day I'd drive past Yarra Valley with uh, my mum and I'd look at all the kids out there playing sport in the fields um, and all the different sports that were going on. And I said, I want to go to that school. Um, so constantly every single day driving past, it was just, it just kind of built on me and I was like, that's the right place for me. So tell us about a memory, a special memory that you have from being out on one of those sports fields. What sport were you playing? And maybe even take us right into a special moment. Was there a, a classic catch? Was there a goal after the siren? Was there a special moment? Um, for me, I always enjoyed doing like the athletic stuff um, and also playing soccer. So um, there was lots of extracurricular activities for me. And um, I really enjoyed just, you know, going to the soccer pitch with all, every single Saturday with my friends um, playing, you know, around and it didn't even feel like, you know, it was an extracurricular activity. It was just catching up with your mates and having a good time. And the same thing happened when we were traveling abroad and doing athletics as well. It was going with my friends, doing the sports and sharing the things that we love together. That's, that's a beautiful memory to, to be able to do stuff you love with your mates who you enjoy being with. That's a, a, it's a terrific combination. And to be honest, I think there are some people, whether they be parents or, uh, some current students who who almost have to drag themselves out on a Saturday morning 
But it seems to me that your experience was much more positive than that. You were up before dawn, ready to roll your... Maybe did you sleep in your uh, soccer gear? Yeah, I didn't go as far as that. But I, I think some of the activities that I chose to do, I got involved with very early on. Um, stuff like they had a kayaking team at the time. Um, and so for me, I'd be waking up and doing Saturday morning sport and then doing Sunday morning sport and doing the kayaking team. And there was some pretty cold winter days doing kayaking as well. But it was just, you know, I love, love being outside and love spending time with all my mates. That is so good. And, and what a terrific combination of good friends doing activities you enjoy or at least willing to explore and, and get to know better. And by the sounds of it, some adventures along the way. Tell me other co-curricular. So you've talked a little bit about sport. Were there other things that the school offered that you put your hand up for? Yeah, so um, I guess the other activities that I predominantly did was I did a lot of graphics design. Um, so they did a program here at Yarra Valley which allowed you to do, I guess, a, a kind of additional graphics design kind of course. So I was involved with that, really enjoyed doing that kind of um, that kind of stuff. Um, other than that, there wasn't really too much extra there. Sure. So therefore, academically, it seems to me like there's a bit of graphics, bit of art, bit of creativity in you. Let's talk about middle school and maybe towards the end of middle school. When you, you get to start choosing subjects, what was the sort of pathway that you felt you were drawn towards? Yeah, and I think that's a difficult time um, for students. So because, you know, you don't know, you, you've been asked to choose these subjects and at the time you don't really know, you know, what it is you're choosing and why you're choosing them. And at the time for me, it was just around choosing subjects that I love doing. So I always just chose, I always was led by the subjects that I enjoyed doing the most and then I, you know, did well in. Mm. So what did you do well in? Is it is it art? Were you a painter? Were you a sculptor? Did you enjoy photography? Yeah. So um, all the, I did a lot of the kind of design subjects. So I did VCD, did photography, um, dabbled in woodworking as well. Um, so being creative was really kind of what drove me, you know, through uh, my middle school and into my senior years as well. So would you say, and I must confess, I'm a bit biased because I'm an art teacher as well at the moment. Does that ability to express your creativity through some of those design subjects, art and, and photography and so forth, do you think that has benefits, that notion of building confidence in expressing your creativity. Does that have impact in other subject areas as well? Yeah, I think so. I think um, being creative can sometimes be, um, uh, it's the, the mindset of being creative is very different to, I guess, a uh, more structured educational manner. So creatives, you know, they sometimes operate a bit differently. They, sometimes stuff doesn't come to them straight away and that's okay. Um for them, it could come to them in the middle of the night. They might have a great idea and they can't sleep because all these creative juices are going. And so sometimes there just needs to be a bit more flexibility in how these great ideas come to life. Um, whereas some kids can you know, go into the classroom, they can read a book. I, I was not great at reading books and digesting information. But when it came to kind of being creative, and um, I found that kind of came out a lot better for me as well. Mm. So you, you, you've touched on a point there which is the reality that the the education system does require us to to still i guess build a foundation in some areas that may not be our sweet spot and i think of say maths and english maybe some humanities in addition to things that you like like sport and art tell us a little bit about your experiences was it around um support from teachers was it just a, a really hard grind was it 
a desire to do your best in everything. Tell me a little about some of those subjects that weren't your sweet spot. Yeah, so for me, it was I was not good at maths at all. Um, that was definitely my weakest subject um, out of them all. And, you know, I wasn't very much a science person either. And so I think for maths is something that you have to do all the way up to year 10, um, what it was for us. And yeah, I struggled a lot with maths, but, um, and I had like a fantastic support around me with the teachers um, and, 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 you know, everyone that was available at Yarra Valley for getting me through those subjects. And it's really, it's really weird because I wasn't very strong with it now, but now in my career fields, I, I use mathematics a lot, which, yeah. you know, I didn't expect it back then, but I could never actually um, put into place how that would apply to real world applications. That, that, is a really important link that you've just made. And, and I want to I want to explore it a little bit and kind of dance around a little bit more because, uh, I mean, I, I even remember in my own education, there were times when I didn't understand how on earth is this going to apply? Do I really need to know this stuff for, for what in my life? But perhaps your encouragement might be to, to younger listeners that – have a go, do your best, even though you don't see how this has a direct link. Like, for example, the fact that you use maths so regularly in your work now, and we'll talk about your work in a minute, but but what would you say to the young person who's, let's, and I don't mean an apologies to all of the maths teachers and those who love their maths, but let's let's think about maths at the moment. What would you say to the, the student or the parent of a student who's really struggling in an area like maths? Yeah, I think, you know, I think um, you're always going to gravitate to your natural abilities. And for me, it was technology and it was being creative. And I, I think like for, for the kids that are, are struggling along with that one, I think, I mean, be be vocal about it. I mean, it'll show in your scores, but don't beat yourself up about it. Um, if it's not going well for you, then that's just proven to you that that's maybe a direction that's not going to favor you in your career. That doesn't mean to say you're not going to use it in your career and you haven't realized it yet. It just means that that's probably not going to be where your strengths are at the time. Mm. And, you know, you're going to have to get through it and, you know, you're going to have more opportunities during VCD um, and you're going to have more opportunities doing um, as soon as you go into university. But it may seem like, oh, you know, I don't want to be doing this right now and I hate it. But once you get through it, I think there's, you'll start to, you know, start to see the subjects that you enjoy and you're going to start to excel in those subjects. And at the end of the day, those are the thing, going to be the things that are going to make you most happy in life. Yeah, that's such good advice. I, I really appreciate that. There's great wisdom in there. And obviously, based on your own experience, your own your own personal story, which is which is really powerful. So tell me then, how, let's as we go through our schooling time, you've you've got to um, VCE and you've done some subjects that you were interested in and you have done relatively well in, I imagine? Yeah, I did pretty well, yeah. And then that leads to what? Where do you go after school? Yeah, so for me, um, I mean, v- VCE subject selection is they you should kind of know what subjects you want to go down the path in when you go into university. So um, they say. So, so they say. Um, and I think it's because, like, you know, if you want to – if you want to do certain career fields, then you definitely need to have those subjects. Um, for me, when I went into VCE, I knew the subjects I needed to do. And I was one of the fortunate ones where I, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to go into um, university for. So I took a more design um, direction. Um, at the time, I took a, a subject um, called Advent Multimedia. And and that was kind of a combination of my IT that I enjoyed doing and the design that I enjoyed doing. Mm. Um, and so for me, leaving um, Yarra Valley, I kind of had you know two different pathways, directions. Um, 
I had the option of going to a university um, or go doing a TAFE course in an advanced diploma. Um, so I had, for me at the time, it was, I, um, I was kind of torn between the two because, you know, my parents said, well, we don't mind what you do. Um, a lot of my friends were going and doing university subjects, but uh, sorry, going to, and doing full full degrees at university. And for me, I just wanted to get it, um, get my you know studies completed so I can go out into the real world. Um, and at that time, you know, I did a lot of research and I realized that an advanced diploma path for me was actually going to give me more hands-on experience and more knowledge of the tools that I needed when I did go into the real world. Um, I was fortunate enough that through Swinburne that they offered the opportunity of doing, you know, two years of advanced diploma and then skipping your third year of uni and going into your final year of uni. Um, and so you ultimately could get a university degree in three years. So at the end of the day, I still got my university degree. I did it faster, which is what I wanted to do. Um, and I had more skills to show from it from doing an advanced diploma path. That's not going to work for every single kid. Um, and every single degree. And uh, I think, you know, there's lots of really good universities out there. Um, this was just a pathway that I chose to take. And I guess what I'm hearing is the importance and the value of exploration, mm. looking around and and I guess asking questions and, and doing the, the research that's required and then ultimately picking what feels right for you. And it yeah. sounds like that's what you did. Yeah, and I was fortunate. I mean, my parents were really supportive of me um, they they didn't have a bias towards you know choosing a university, choosing a TAFE. They just said whatever you do, we just want you to be happy. Hmm. That's a it's a great uh, base upon which to to launch into life, really, isn't it? To have a, a home life like that. And I wonder if we can just dance around home for a moment and hmm. tell me a little bit about growing up in terms of location. What was your trip? You sounds you must have been close. If you went to Good Shepherd at primary school. Did you walk to school when you came to Yarra? Did you, like, what was, where was home and how many people were there and what did that look like? Yeah, we had a pretty big household when I was a kid. Um, so I had two older brothers and an older sister and you know, I was, uh, you know, there's a 10-year difference between me and my middle brother. Um, so they, they were a lot further down um, the track of, and they were already in high school. So they were already at, um, they were at Luther College. So for me, it was just, it was just easy for my parents to send me to Good Shepherd and pick up all the kids all at once. Um, we actually lived out in Donvale, so it was still about a 15-minute drive to get to school. But at the time, that's that was the direction that they took for why I went to Good Shepherd. That 15-minute drive now is probably about 25 minutes because the area has certainly grown and the, the schools in the area, more people are coming. You're, you've talked about your interest in multimedia and technology and, and your own creativity. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your experience, your prediction of how technology is going to continue to impact our day-to-day living and, and perhaps in a good way. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, you can already, already see it now that people are using technology every day. They've you've got a, you know, got, everybody's got a smartphone in their pocket. You know, they've got, they can access information so quickly. It's all of like um, accessible to them within, you know, a touch. Um, people are starting to, you know, say, hey, Siri or hey, Google and actually communicate more with technology. So it's going to become more and more a part of our lives. Um, it seems so interesting that we, we put such a strong emphasis when we're in studying around using books and using different forms of research. And I still think that's really important. Um, I still love to read books and um, yeah, there's a lot of information accessible on the internet. Um, but you know, I think 
you know, there's also some, re- you've got to look at all the different avenues for getting information. Um, and that's a big part of my job is how do people access that information? So tell us about your job. What's your title mm-hmm. and what does that actually look like day to day? Yeah, so um, my title, most people are not going to understand what it is. It's a digital delivery manager. Digital um, delivery manager. Yeah, okay. so um, in essence, uh, my job is to understand uh, customer pain points um, like with a brand or with a service and then I really look at, you know, what is that problem that they're facing and I look at how do we have a digital solution for that, whether it be on the website, whether it be through new technology or an, a mobile application. Um, and it's all about, I guess, improving that experience for a customer and making that content more accessible to a customer. So I, I have no idea. So I'm just mm. going to paint a scenario. Let's say I'm out there and I, I want to buy a new drill, for example, and I, I go to a store, a really big warehouse, and there are multiple drills there to choose from. I pick one and I get it home and I can't make it work. I can't. How did like that? That customer experience is not good. I'm no. upset. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I should know better, but I can't actually get it to do what I want it to do. It keeps slipping. It keeps. I can turn it on, but that's about it. Yeah. You're a digital delivery manager. technology manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you help me? Yeah. So, um, you know, you've had that experience, and so do a lot of other people have that same experience. So it's very real. But um, you'll probably get in contact with you know customer service, and you know they'll say they'll work you through your problem, and eventually I'll start to see a pattern emerging. So I'll start to see more people like you having the same problem, and then that's when they say, "Hey, Jono, we've got an issue here that we need to solve for. We've got customers who are buying these products and." You know, they have no idea how to use it. So how do you, we need you to solve this problem. Mm. And so that's where I start to look at, start to interview people like yourself. I start to look at a lot of the data and then I will then start to, I guess, um, brief into my team of developers um, and content people who will then start to put together plans to how do we solve the problem of, I don't know how to use this drill or even so as you, before you've even gone into store to buy your drill, you go, I don't know which one I need. Um, and so these are kind of the problems that we're trying to solve for so that, you know, at the end of the day, you get home, you know how to use your product and you feel great about it. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do for you. I love that. Thank you for the yeah. work that you do because <laughs> the, the, the questioning and the, as you say, before I've even purchased it, I've probably got some questions at that point as well. And mm. people like you and your team help me, hopefully, to make better choices. That's correct, yeah. And I like that. I like that a lot. So if things go really well for you in the next five years, what's happening in your life, in your career, in your uh, personal life? What, what's what's going on five years from now? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, the team that I've been working with right now has been growing exponentially. Um, we've gone from, a, I started 10 years ago in the company I'm in now, um, pretty much straight after my second degree of uni. Um, and we had a team of four, including myself. So now we've got a team of 30. Um, so I imagine if I was there for another 10, 10 years, I'll probably have a team of 60 people doing it or lots of specialists like myself doing their type of thing. Um, for me, I've kind of like, I've spent a lot of time in, I guess, this power tools and consumer electronics industry. So I may, you know, take another pathway down looking at education, looking at universities, how I can do the same thing, what I do now for new possible students looking to choose subjects. Um, or it could be, you know, fashion, it could be, you know, automotive, who knows? Sky's the limit. Um, and I think there's a there's always going to be that unknown 
in digital because it grows so quickly. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we didn't have social media. Now it's like everybody uses it every single every single day. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard to predict what's going to be next. Um, and that's, I think that's always something that I always tell kids is that probably the, the career that you're going to choose hasn't even been established yet. So your role hasn't even been established yet. And when I'm going to be employing you in, you know, you're in, VC, you're in VC right now and you're going to go through a four-year degree and you're going to get a grad role, maybe in a company that I'm working for. Um, the role that I'm going to be recruiting for, I don't even know what it is yet. Mm. <laughs> wow. I, I really appreciate your, um, now I would still say youthful, but perhaps in touch perspective on the world and maybe technology requires you to do that you've got to be at the cutting edge perhaps chatting with john adam from the class of 2006 so just doing the maths on that you've been out of yarra for a while but you it sounds like you've stayed perhaps because of your role and so i want to create another scenario for you you seem to hear customer experience look at the data and then seek to find a solution, hmm. a digital solution. Hmm. So what do you think, and I, I, I appreciate you say it's hard to predict, but what, what are the problems that people like you might be solving in the next, I don't know, is it is it as close as two years or are you having to think further ahead down the track? Now, COVID came out of nowhere. We didn't understand that, but that sent a lot of us into different scenarios and, and, and technology really became a solution. What's next, do you think? Yeah, and I think COVID um, accelerated technology in a big way. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. Like, not every school had their education um, online accessible um, to people. They had to, you know, go to school to do their classes. Um, for a whole year, there were kids lit, um, learning from home. Um, and that's always been something that's been there, but it got accelerated because of COVID. Um I think the best way to understand technology is that um, technology has always been an aid to, you know, you could do things manually, like I could go through a list of customer data and I could say, here's all the people who had a, you know, a bad experience with a drill. And I'd be there for a really long time because I'm dealing with tens of thousands of different people. Um, but I can get a computer now to process that, process that in half a second. Um, and they're doing even more complex things. So the way I see technology is it helps. You still need uh, a, a driver, so someone to steer it and steer it in the right direction. Um, and I think there's always going to be a role for that. And I think that's where we're going to see the, the balance of technology and how humans work together is going to be, you know, you're always going to have, um, we're steering technology. We need it to help us do things faster and more efficient and get the right results. And there's there's less, I guess, us making the bad decisions because we're allowing technology to do that. But we still need to understand how it all works. Mm. I'm pleased to hear that there's still that human thinking and the human checking and cross-checking that has to be part of that. However, you say that technology helps you to do things quicker, to analyse the data and to... But is quicker always better? Um, no, it's not necessarily always better. And I, I can give you, um, I can give you examples. Is like sometimes great ideas can take a really long time to come through, can come up with, and um, computers can recommend. Um, there's businesses that will rely on a computer to look at the data that I do, and then give them a recommendation. They just go do it. 
Um, the reason why my role exists is because a computer can't come up with an idea um, mm -hmm. and can't really go into the the human side of it and understand well how are you feeling mm. um, well, you know why did you why did you feel that way when you you bought your tool and what does that mean for the brand um, mm. you're really disappointed and you don't want to buy anything else from us or you don't you want to you don't want to try do any task at home anymore and it can be crushing for that but there needs to be that human element that understands what you're going through yes so so is that tapping into emotional intelligence and you're you're using your own emotional intelligence as you process the data yeah empathy is a, a big part of what i do and um i think empathy is something that you know whether you're a, with any career field you do if you apply empathy to what you you do in your life um you're going to get a better outcome from a team you're going to have a better team environment you're going to get a better result just by you know thinking what is the right thing and you know think of other people first as well mm. so that leads me on to a, a a program that we explore here it's called the resilience project and there are three main strands and it's gratitude empathy and mindfulness and i appreciate what you've mentioned about empathy and i agree with you and that's part of what we're trying to help our young people engage with where does gratitude and mindfulness come into your world, whether it's on a personal level or on a, even on an industrial, on a technological, on a, on a career level? Gratitude and mindfulness. Yeah, I think gratitude is a great thing. Um, and I, I give an example. I mean, I'm going to link it back to um, my time at Yarra Valley. Is like my parents um, you know, worked very hard to send me into Yarra Valley. And you know, when I look back now of... You know, my dad was traveling all the way across town because he was a tradesman to come pick me up from school. Um, and I was hurt at the time because sometimes it would be late and I'd be the last one standing out on, um, you know, Kalinda Road waiting for him. But, you know, having gone through that now and like every day I appreciate all the opportunities I got because had I not had all those opportunities, I would not have, you know, been able to explore the things I've done now and understood mm -hmm what I've been really good at. Mm. Um, and so I'm 100%, you know, I show a lot of gratitude to my parents for what the sacrifices they made, but the opportunities that they gave me. Um, and it's only now that I start to appreciate that more. I didn't really probably understand that so much when I was in, you know, at school at the time. Um, so I think gratitude is a very important thing. And that's just about being humble and, you know, understanding that, you know, everybody's dealing with different situations. Mm. And if, you, uh, um, if you just appreciate what you have, and then understand what you know other people are going through. It's just gonna um, you're gonna become a better person and create a better world as well. I love that. I, I think I think parents across the board they're doing the best they can. Mm. And sure, and and I speak as a parent, but also as a as a son who had parents who I still have parents, but who who did make mistakes and who did let us down. But as a parent. You are absolutely doing your best all the time. And, and of course, you make mistakes. You, you muck it up and you let your, your kids down. But I appreciate the gratitude that you have. And you probably don't have it in the moment, as you've mentioned, which maybe is where mindfulness comes in, that, that, that notion of living in the moment and being aware of what's going on around the people. But also, as you mentioned, being aware that people all carry a story. They've all got their own stuff that they're dealing with. And just to be mindful of that as we engage with people is, is a really important skill, whether, whether, you're, whether you're 12 or 18 or 28 or 58. Being aware of people and the story that they carry is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. 
wonder if we might move now to a, a short, maybe short and sharp section of this conversation that I call the lightning round. I'm going to throw a, a couple of quick fire questions at you. Some of them will be pertaining to your time at Yarra, and they'll be, you know, top of top of the tip of the tongue type responses. And others others might be a little bit further beyond. But I'm going to begin with. So strap yourself in. What house were you in when you were at Yarra? I was in Plumber. Plumber. Now, were Plumber any good back in your day? Uh, I'd say they probably were the best. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the every best person house? who I yeah. speak to from Plumber <laughs> says the same thing. Is there a music or a drama in in a performance that you were either part of or that you were in the audience for that stands out as a, a really special time? Um, I can always remember the big band um, performing. Um, I did saxophone for a good portion up to about year nine, um, so I'd always have appreciation of music and you know seeing them perform um, was always a good highlight for me. Great, I love that. Do you remember who were the school captains back in your day? Oh yeah, no, I cannot remember them. <laughs> if I if I said Kate Cooper, yep, I know Kate Cooper. Would that help? Yep, Kate Cooper was definitely one of them. And Owen. Scrivener. Yes, yes, correct, yeah. correct. We'll, we'll give you a uh, half a tick for that one. What would have been a regular feature in your lunchbox when you were a student? Regular feature for me was a peanut butter sandwich. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I just loved it every day and so that was just a go-to, just every single day, peanut butter sandwich. And did you make it yourself? No, that was always mum. Good on your mum. <laughs> Thanks, mum. And a piece of fruit, perhaps. Yeah, there was always fruit in there. And you ate it. Yep. Good work. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> um, what was your first car? Uh, my first car was a little red Toyota Celica. Um, red one? Yeah. Nice. That's that's smooth. I loved it because it had the pop-up lights and I oh, thought it was yeah. very, very cool. Absolutely. It is cool. Um, if if you had invited me over for dinner, what would be uh, uh, something you'd serve up? What's a specialty? What's a, a go-to meal that you can whip up together pretty nice? Uh, my go-to meal is I'm very heavily on smoking barbecues right now. So I love to put on a barbecue and, and smoke meat. And so that's what I'm passionate about right now at home. So, I, you know, everyone, I have a lot of friends who say, oh, we want to come around and do a barbecue. Nice. Yeah, it usually nice. means spend a lot of time around checking temperatures and doing that. Yeah, there's a lot of preparation in that. There is. But it's good that they appreciate it and they want to come. Yep. Let's say that you've got the opportunity to invite three guests from any era, any time, any part of the world any moment in history, who would be three guests that you'd like to come around for some smoked barbecue? Um, love to invite Elon Musk. I think he's 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 such a unique um, person. Uh, I think we're blessed to have someone like him in the world today. He's he's definitely his mind is thinking like, uh, what are the real big problems that we're facing in the world? He's not getting caught up on the on the small petty things. Mm. Um, he's trying to do good for the human race and definitely change the game and. Um, so I really admire him and everything that he does. Um, I'd love to have a chat with Einstein. I mean, he was a very, from what I've read, he was a very creative person. He had, he was, he was very like considered very awkward back in the day. He had a lot of different ideas, and they weren't very accepted um, in the day. But yet, he was an absolute genius. Um, you know, all the things that he came up with. You got room for one more. Oh, got room for one more. Um, I'd probably say Barack Obama. Um, I, I mean, I like following uh, politics in some way, but I feel like Barack Obama is the type of guy that, you know, you could you could have a chat to him and he'd be open and honest and wouldn't judge you from where you've come from and who you mm. are and um, 
and I feel you'd have a very honest conversation with him mm. and he'd obviously have a very a lot of good experiences and things that he could share with you. Can you just imagine the conversation of getting you with those three gentlemen in the same room together from those different eras of, of, of history to be able to just the, the things that you could come up with, the conversations that you would have and the, the problems that you might even explore to solve. It's uh, that's a dynamic combination. Yeah, there's a lot of different people there. Yeah, yeah I love that. I love that. If you had the choice and you can't say neither, would you prefer to uh, perform for your house at House Swimming or House Aths? I go House Athletics for sure. And did you have a specialty there? Um, yeah, I was. I love doing discus. Huh. Um, so I did discus uh, as you know in athletics outside of when uh, extracurricular stuff. So that was always my sport that I did. Yeah, great. And and you're you're a big strapping young lad now. Were you fairly big back in the day? And so, the, I mean, the discus requires timing and a little bit of agility, but strength as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I was, you know, I was probably a year, a year older than most people in my year level. Um, so that probably was an advantage for me. But also, um, like I mentioned before, I get, I was early involved with um, doing kayaking. And my mum always says to me that, you know, rowing twice a week um, and doing and paddling twice a week was definitely would have helped my development, which is why I've, you know, quite broad and strong now. So I think that definitely helped. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Your role um, sees you now, sees you um, engaging with technology a lot and, and probably screens as well as bringing the emotional side to that. And so I wonder in the midst of all of that and because we can't right now travel, uh, and you spend a lot of your time behind the screen. I dare say when you're away from the screen, you do like to go and experience life and uh, be hands-on, and whether it's paddling these days or, or cooking up your smoked barbecue. Travel destination, where in the world would you encourage us to go? Where would you think that we might uh, travel where, based on your own experience or maybe based on somewhere you've heard about or read about that you'd like to go and see for yourself? Um, I've always been fascinated with Japan. Um, I think um, I've heard a lot of good things about the cultural side over there and it's very unique and very traditional. They've got a lot of history. Um, but they've also, I mean, they're very um, you know, technologically advanced um, for such a, you know, a small place in the world when you compare it to other nations like America. Um, you know, there's a lot of smart people there and there's a lot of technology there. And um, so seeing that combination of the culture and technology come together um, and also there's some absolutely some beautiful places there um, to see. So that's always been on my bucket list of things, yeah. places to go. I love that. I think that's that's terrific. Is there a piece of work from your time as a student at Yarra, a piece of work where it might be a, a maths test that you were really nervous about but you did better than you thought or, or a piece of artwork that, that you're really proud of, something that springs to mind when I say a work, a piece of work that you... Uh, did well in or better than expected? Yeah. Um, I, always, I always found like um, for me, like uh, um, English was also a bit of a challenge for me um, and, you know, I had some additional support around me for English and so um, I became, I, the more I did it, I became quite good at it and so towards my VC, um, in my VCE, you know, you have to write, your, you know, essays and what sort and, you um, I produced an essay in in year eleven, which got a really good score for, and it just stood out to me. And um, and I was just so astonished that like I was capable of doing something like that, coming from like struggling in year seven, eight, nine, and then really starting to excel as you know I got further into it. Yes. So I take away from that the value of just hanging in there, 
keeping on showing up and and you might surprise yourself. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there was some fantastic, and I don't know if they're still here, um, English teachers. Um, we had Mr. Manning, um, and he was a fantastic um, English teacher and Mr. the Barrett as well. Um, and they just had so much passion for their work. Mm. And I think that passion really came through in those subjects for me and just... I attribute a lot of like my growth to having really good teachers like that around me. Mm, that's that's great. I, I love that. You mentioned a little while back that you you do enjoy reading and you like to open a. Re- Is it a real book or are you on a, an on screen? No, it's a real book. A yeah. real book. So what's uh, in the last? I don't know. Let's say the last three months. What's a a, a book that has really grabbed your attention? Um, yes, yeah, so I've been reading a lot of um, stuff by Simon Sinek. Um, so he's. I don't really read books that tell like you know the. That taught tell stories and um, that creative side, which is actually very strange because you'd, you'd think being coming from a creative background that I'd love to read that. But um, the stuff that really interests me now is more, I guess, real world kind of stuff. And Simon Sinek has written a few um, books around, you know, having purpose and understanding, um, talks a lot about empathy in his books as well. And um, also creating the right environments um, where people excel. Um, and so there was... You know, Everything Starts With Why was a great book that I read from him, which really stood out for me. Um, you might have it on your shelf. And um, <laughs> I didn't see it there on the shelf, by the way. Um, yeah, and I loved reading that book uh, and getting his perspective on, on creating the right environments for people who excel. And that's something that I try to create now when I've got a team that reports to me. And I think it's so critical about creating the right environment where people become better, come with good ideas. Mm-hmm. Being a tech guy, tell us two apps on your phone that you use the most. Um, I don't want to say the social media ones because they are probably the ones that I use the most. Um, they Definitely the Instagram is there. Um, I think there's a lot of scrolling of just content whenever you've got some spare time. Um, another one, uh, probably the news app recently. Um, just because I think um, uh, right now there's there's no news that's on Facebook or in Instagram, mm-hmm. so I've been taken to the news app a bit more. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What's the best advice you ever received? The best advice that I ever received was um, was literally just to be humble um, and to to understand that. Um, you know, like we kind of spoke about before, you know, everybody deals with different things and, um, you know, everybody has bad days and, you know, you can, and, and just being a bit understanding around what they're going through um, makes make things a lot better for them. So, it breed, you know, I think that that advice, which actually came from my mum about being humble about things and um, kind of really resonated with me and it's, it's probably the reason why you know I have a great team now that I work with, um, and I like to be you know open and honest with people, and I think that's one of the things that my friends have appreciated the most as well. But, um, but yeah, being humble about things and and understanding of people. Mm. Yeah, good on your mum. Yeah, she came, she has some good ones. <laughs> As we draw our time together as uh, to a close, and I really appreciate your generosity and uh, and the number of things that you've still got to deal with in your day today. But if I offer this phrase to you, I wonder what it means, and then what does it actually mean? And the phrase is "lavavi oculus." 
And it means, well, it's our school motto, to lift up my eyes. What does that mean to you? Or what did it mean? Did it mean anything when you were a student? What might it mean today? Um, as a student, um, it was always there, but I didn't know what it means. And it was probably a strong thing we talked about um, back when I was studying. But now that I know it now, it's probably, it's probably got a lot of different meanings. I think one, to be looking towards the future. That's the way I would see it is, you know, looking, lifting up your eyes, but also having a positive mindset on things. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and it's interesting, the number of yogs who we've spoken to, who I often ask about that, they, they also acknowledge that at, at the time when they're at school, they're not as aware of perhaps the real depth of, of a statement like that or a motto like that, but it comes over time. And, and, and I think some of those foundational things that just became part of your normal in, in time, they start to make more sense. And we sort of go back and we can join those dots and we go, ah, that's what they were talking about all those years ago. And that's a really powerful thing that you start to recognise and mature to learn, oh, yeah, there's actually something in this and and in a phrase like that, something really, really deep and powerful. Okay, I've got one final question for you. And it's a two-pronged question. Uh, You're you're looking nervous. It's going to be okay. (laughs) That is, what is the one question that you really wished I had asked you in this conversation, and then can you answer that question? Now I've got to think about it. What type of question you you could have asked me? Is there an area that you really wanted to talk about, or reflect upon, or a story you wanted to tell? Um, there is probably one thing I'd, I'd probably want to add, which is around what type of jobs did I do part time, whether I was at school or. Um, while I was at university prior to going into my professional career. And before you do, you're an advocate for some part-time work while you're studying? I think part-time work is really good. Um, For me, I started part-time work um, as soon as it was legally possible, which is 14, nine months at the time. Um, and I was working at Hungry Jack's uh, making burgers Slipping for people. burgers. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was like I got my first job because um, I was in the ski team. I loved snowboarding at the time. And my mum said to me, um, if you want that brand new snowboard, you got to go buy it yourself. Mm. And so she said, well, go get a job or yeah. you can cut more lawns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went and got a job. And then from that point forward, I, I always had a job up until VCE. So I stopped during VCE because I wanted to focus mm. um, and had my support of my parents during that time, a little bit of pocket money. Um, but you know, after high school, I got into hospitality and I worked in hospitality for a really long time, um, working in um, bars and gaming rooms and what sort. And I spent six years working at, um, uh, at, in the hospitality industry. And during that time, it was, it was only literally last year that I actually, when reflecting, realized that the reason why I stayed in the hospitality industry, even though it wasn't the industry for me, um, so long and you know did so many work, work so many long hours, was that um, I really enjoyed serving people and mm. you know and just chatting to people and you know seeing them happy. And although I didn't like the I didn't like hospitality and I didn't like the food and didn't like the drinks, I actually enjoyed chatting to people. Mm. Now, upon reflection of that, that made a lot more sense as to why now I, I focus so much on helping other yeah. people. Um, and, 
yeah, I think the all the opportunities I had at Yarra, um, although at the time I couldn't see the direction it was taking, mm. um, even at university, uh, I didn't know the direction I was taking. It felt right. And then over time, you know, my career has changed. I've been in so many different roles within the company I've been in. And although, I, you know, I can't really see what's going to happen in the next five years, I know what will probably happen from a technology standpoint. But the only thing that stays true to me is as long as I keep, you know, one thing that's always resonated that I know is it just feels right is that, you know, if I, I continue trying to help other people, then, you know, it always take me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I really appreciate your time, your ability to tell story and share with us. I, I thank you for your generosity and for the wisdom that you've imparted, some from mum and instilled in, in our parents, uh, from our parents, and, and I think that that's gratitude personified and I, I really love that. But also it seems to me that there have been some opportunities that Yara has provided you and those that you've actually put your hand up and said, yes, I'll have a go at that, I'll try that. I don't know much about that but I'll say yes and I'll give it a go. And that character trait, that attribute of yours has served you well and I trust will continue to serve you well. John Adam from the class of 2006, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your perspective and thanks for sharing with us here at the Inspired by Yarra podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. And there you have it. I told you he was thoughtful and insightful, has a unique perspective and wisdom dare I say, well beyond his years. I actually mentioned to John after we'd stopped recording that I I feel like there's more that we could explore together. And so we may very well link up with John again and uh, unpack some more of his thinking and his depth and his insight and his perspective. But that's for another time. For now, thank you for being part of this conversation for joining in and look if there were any insights in here any perspectives any stories that really resonate and you think other people would appreciate them maybe other yogs other people who know john or part of that same year level or thereabouts i'm sure that they would appreciate the insight and the perspective as well i encourage you to share this episode by all means invite them into the podcasting world and in the Inspired by Yarra podcast is a great place to start. I hope you'll join us again next episode where we sit down with another Yog, another Yarra old grammarian and see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone at Yarra and in particular the team who put these stories together and share them with you, I want to say thank you for being part of it and we wish you another day of inspiration where you Get on out there into whatever interactions, connections, encounters that you have today with a deliberate intent to make a positive impact in the world around you. Mm-hmm.